Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Well, something, you know, I think is also part of our business is to be uh, really well informed about how our governments work, how our justice system works. You know, it's all part of the, those areas on the show that go beyond just uh, making money, but also how to live and how to live successfully and happily. And we made it this series that's on, on the one hand very entertaining, but also very informative and I think helpful, uh, which is uh, with, it's called Justice in the Law with J.L. Carpenter. Uh, it's a, recur a reoccurring, uh, ser ongoing series. And uh, what it is is there's a whole lot of true crime stories out here. We wanted one that uh, focused on true crime stories from a true legal perspective. And, and uh, JL has a great background as both a prosecuting attorney and a very well-known defense attorney. And uh, JL, we always love having you on the program. Real quickly, a little bit more about your practice and uh, also your website as we get into our topic today, which is a real interesting one, which is Jeffrey Dahmer and uh, two shows. We like to look at, at true crime series and how they, how they went from a legal perspective. And, and Jeffrey Dahmer has two different shows on Netflix we're going to focus on today. But a little bit about your firm real quick as we get going on your website. Hi. Uh, thanks, Kevin. Yes, J.L. Carpenter. My website is jlcarpenterlaw.com. I practice criminal defense, have been in the business for over 20 years, and I represent folks in the Harris County and contiguous counties, Galveston, Brazoria, Fort Bend, and I'd love to serve uh, folks who I call the misunderstood. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's talk about uh, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, which is one of the most infamous cases of all time. And there, you know, he's a, not only not only is he a serial murderer, but he's a cannibal. That makes him all the more weird, <laughs> you know, more the sure. more difficult to uh, you know put our, wrap our brains around. Uh, and so that's why he's infamous. And there's probably been more shows written uh, or done about him uh, as much as virtually anyone. I, I think Charles Manson would be about the only one who's had more specials and documentaries about him. He's up in that that top sphere, if you will, of talked about, read about, and uh, et cetera. So there's two yeah. shows on, two shows on Netflix. I want you to jump in about them in just a second. Two shows on Netflix. One of them is a movie with actors. The other is a documentary. Talk about panoramic, both of those. So when I first saw the 10-episode like movie series uh, of Jeffrey Dahmer come up on my Netflix, I thought, oh, Jeffrey Dahmer, the guy who used to eat people. And I didn't think there was anything in there that I would learn about him that I didn't already know. Boy, was I wrong. And let me just say that this series is not for the weak stomach. Um, but then after I watched the 10-episode series, I did watch the three-episode documentary. And one of the things I took away was how much detail they put into recreating so that it was very similar to the original. From the clothing, hair color, the environments, it was very similar to the original. Mm -hmm. And when you say the original, as it was seen, as it was unfolded, when he was arrested, those kind of film footage. Exactly. Courtroom footage, yeah. uh, interviews, yes. Is there any collaboration between the documentary and the, and the, uh, uh, the portrayal with actors? Was there any connection with that other than the topic? 
That I don't know, and I don't think that there is, but I do know that there's a lot of uh, TikTok, TikTok videos where they put one beside the other so you can see all the similarities, and it's quite impressive. Interesting. Talk a little bit about, uh, so, so the people who made the, uh, the film, uh, the series with actors, uh, they were very interested in making sure it was accurate, authentic, and lined up with, uh, with how it actually unfolded, which I always love that. I, I want to know how serious they're going to be uh, with that. Uh, you were very clear that the one with actors really was necessary, that it added a dimension that you're not seeing from other shows, because, again, I've seen many of these. Um, what about the documentary? Did it bring anything special or unique? So both were very well aligned and have the same information and storyline. Um, and one just gives more credence because it's actual folks who were involved in the investigation or witnesses. Um, but what I think the takeaways are is that it goes back to a couple of central themes that you and I have discussed in some of these other uh, docuseries is that there's the mental health aspect that runs uh, through criminal justice and then also the see something, say something theme. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Talk a little bit about um, what, uh, obviously beyond, let me, let me rephrase this even before I get, get it out. What was striking about Jeffrey Dahmer looking at him as a defense attorney? What was striking about him compared to others who have been involved in murders, including serial murders? Because he became sympathetic. You could have empathy for this man who murdered over a dozen human beings and ate them. Uh, and yet there was an aspect about him that you had empathy for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He did come across as truly sad, very sad. Like, uh, and, and that uh, uh, almost uh, his situation was beyond his control, which goes back to the mental health element you were mentioning. Yeah, I mean, between his mental illness and the dysfunctional family that he was raised in, um, he also had um, a homosexual sexual preference, and that also led to, like, I think, lonesomeness and loneliness back in the late 80s and early 90s. And you put all these things together on top of he was also an alcoholic, and it was just a recipe for disaster, yet nobody was picking up on the clues. Yeah, well, and, and again, as you also alluded, nobody was around him enough to pick, around, pick up those clues. It's <laughs> like anyone was around him long enough, ended up getting killed. That's true. Yeah. So, he yeah. said he wanted to have control over, complete control over somebody that he was physically attracted to who would not leave. And that was what led to this disaster. Mm-hmm. Right, he had serious abandonment issues, obviously. Yes. I mean, like, off the chart. Yes. Yeah. Have you seen anything from a, you know, from a diagnostic perspective? You know, things that he may have been diagnosed for, um, you know, either from these documentaries, and this documentary and movie, or from other things you've read or seen? 
So that was an interesting aspect because once he was finally arrested and taken into custody and then his father helped him to get psychological treatment, he learned that he did have mental illness. And so one of the things he said was it felt almost relieving to him to know that he wasn't just pure evil, but that there was something wrong with him and he was sick. And he found comfort in that, which ultimately led to him becoming uh, religious and baptized before he died. But the other part was, uh, that a doctor told him because he and his dad used to pick up roadkill and do taxidermy at an age where he was developing in puberty, he had some sort of attraction, a sexual connection to the shiny visceral innards of his uh, kill. So that was part of the mental illness, as odd as that sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we know we know now. I mean, and, and frankly, we probably knew a lot then. Even that getting exposed too early to certain things will have a profoundly negative impact on a person. Uh, they've got to have a certain amount of maturity, faculties, that type of thing, in order to be able to uh, even process that type of thing. Uh, we see that a lot, particularly in the sexual predator states, where people were exposed too early to uh, to certain things sexually, and it just threw them off course. But you know what I think also was um, intriguing was how cool as a cucumber he was no matter what the circumstances. The night of his first murder, he had the body in the trunk of his vehicle. He was pulled over for DWI and was able to not only get out of the DWI, but explain the trash bags in his trunk as being, and this is in the middle of the night, as being lawn bags. He was doing the yard for his parents. And at this time, I think he's 18, still in school, living alone because his parents had separated and left him by himself in the house. Um, But he was able to talk himself out of that first uh, situation without being arrested, which was a theme that continued for years. He was able to talk himself out of being further investigated or arrested or explain his circumstances away, despite what these other witnesses were telling the police. Yeah. You know, and when I hear this, you know, once again, this is a recurrent theme. Uh, the vast majority of those cases we've talked about um, have had a mental health element to it. You know, and once again, I, I just come to the conclusion that the state really doesn't know what to do when it comes to mental health situations. You know, and, and there has to be something to protect society from these uh, perpetrators. Obviously, that's a no-brainer. Um, but there's not a larger context of work uh, uh, being done to identify people early, to give them help earlier, uh, putting them on a different track uh, once they are arrested, recognizing what they have done. Um, you know, uh, I don't know. To me, that seems to be a recurring takeaway. I think so. I think we've come a long way since the late 80s and early 90s. But, you know, there was a woman, Glenda Cleveland, who was constantly calling the police and tipping them off. But because back then it was white officers and a black female and they were believing this white, good looking male and his explanation about the circumstances over this black female. So race definitely played a key part in whether or not the police were going to further investigate Jeffrey back then. But also, I think that in the times that he was in the military or um, arrested on minor, uh, and even one time he was placed in custody for um, sexually assaulting a minor um, and didn't get a stiff sentence because race, again, played a role in that and his parents' influence. But there were many paths, many places along his path 
that they could have done further um, evaluations on him to see if there was a mental health aspect there, and it was just ignored. Yeah, no question about it. Um, it's a very interesting story. So what are some, as we begin to wrap it up, what are some final thoughts you have, some takeaways that, that uh, the listeners should keep in, keep in mind? You know, and it sounds like in particular uh, both of these are uh, worth, worth a view, even if they've seen uh, Jeffrey Dahmer post. And, again, these are both on Netflix. Yeah, so I started I started with the 10 episodes and then went to the three-episode uh, actual documentary, and I'm glad I did it in that order. But my final thought is going back to what we just talked about. Had his mental illness been detected earlier in his childhood or before um, he had reached, you know, his high school years, maybe he would not have become a serial killer. And, again, it comes back to the community if you see something, say something, and keep saying something until you're believed. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of the, you know, a lot of the problem is there's unique American values, if you will, um, JL, where you know we're very into to supporting autonomy and individual rights, and we don't want to be a nanny state and that type of thing. It's a delicate balance act, uh, but it sounds like we have some more balancing to do. I think so. And it is a delicate balance because what if you're wrong and then you cause problems between you and your neighbor or you and a friend, but what if you're right? Right. It's a difficult, difficult situation. All right. It sounds like that's must viewing. Um, and again, these are uh, ones that we have checked out and liked and uh, it made, uh, you know, sense to us to see. And we encourage you to check it out, but uh, don't do it late at night. Maybe do it with a loved one. <laughs> <laughs> Both of these, including the documentary. The documentary is a hard watch, too. And uh, make sure you, uh, you know, uh, take care of yourself while you're watching it. But there's a lot to learn here in Dunbox. J.L. Carpenter, one more time, your website. JLCarpenterLaw.com. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you, as always, and happy Thanksgiving. And look forward to chatting next month. I'm Kevin Price. Stay tuned for more.